Remember that time that I did that book review? It was called The Three Big Questions for Every Frantic Family. Mm-hmm. Um, it was by Patrick Leosini. Yeah. Well, we're still doing it. Oh, wow. You actually kept it going. I know. We don't do it weekly like we're supposed to. Yeah. We do. We tend to do it like every other week. Mm-hmm. But it's really helping us. Oh, it's awesome. really helping us connect with the kids and like checking in a whole lot more to the point that we're starting. I'm starting to check in with them on like a biweekly level of just like like a pulse survey. That's so <laughs> business-like. I do a pulse survey with my kids about how happy they are. Um, but really how connected they are. Um, it's been really good. Just awesome. us. And we all, we, we've added so much more into it. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to add something else to it this week because of you. <laughs> we also added one thing that everyone wants to work on. So like, and if someone has a suggestion, a lot of suggested, but the person who is working on it has the right to say no. So they said that I should stop screaming. Mm. So I was like, no, <laughs> so I, mine was not green screaming. And then Chris was like not being grumpy. And then Zandy was playing with Jackson more. And then Lexi didn't want to do anything. So we didn't make her do anything. But then we had a rule that you can't do not do anything for two, more than two weeks. Yeah. And if you couldn't think of anything, then mom or dad would think of something for you. <laughs> but it's been so we added that in. But it's been really good. Nice. I feel like we're rallying together and that Jackson's some of Jackson's stuff has gotten a lot easier because we're doing it all the same and we have conversations about it. Mm-hmm. And then our stress level with the new dojo, because that was one of our other rallying cries. I feel like the girls understood more mm. what was happening. And then the kids have just been able to voice their opinions. I mean, they voiced their opinions about so many things. Like they didn't like that meal <laughs> too. We need to do more stuff like go to Disneyland. Like, yeah. But it's cool because I'm, I'm giving them a voice to learn how to advocate and learn how to talk for themselves. And like, it's just been really good. So I'm hoping that we, once school starts, we can get in like even more of a routine oh, of nice. like every single week doing it. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm surprised. I did not think it would last. Well, that's good. That's great. Happening. So it's good. Mm-hmm. I still think that people should read that book. It's been helpful. Awesome. Good job. You're listening to the Mother Effin Podcast with Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Did you watch the Chappelle Sticks and Stones? I did. I actually did too. Did you like it? I liked it a lot. There was moments definitely where the jokes were like not my yeah. topic of choice kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I love when he makes himself laugh so much that he almost leaves the stage. <laughs> like in my head, I'm like, I want to be that confident where yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing this for you guys. Yeah. There's like 40,000 people here. Screw you guys. I made myself laugh. I'm having fun up here. <laughs> and that's what this is all about. Yeah. Because that's confidence, man. That's yeah. confidence in what you're saying. But she really broached some really good yeah, he did. Subjects that I was like, I can't believe he's talking about that. Yeah. And there were things that I definitely disagreed on. Um, I definitely didn't agree with everything he said. But, you know, one, comedy subjective. Completely. And two, comedy's supposed to show the mirror to the world. Like, it's supposed to talk about the hard things. It's supposed to talk about it in a way that we can start a, a conversation and break it down. And I think, you know, everybody talks about how the woke scolds are super angry about this. You know, the people, woke who? The woke scolds. That's the name for the people who are like, you can't say anything offensive. Scolds? Woke scold. Like you're scolding, but they're woke. Oh, okay. The woke scold. Okay, yeah. Now I get it. I was hearing scolds and then that didn't work no. out. And I was just like, what? Oh, I can see that. I, yeah. And that's what it, Chris watched it because of that. He was like, yeah. so many people were out of like, I can't believe you can't offend people. And it's like, yeah. why? This is the whole idea of freedom of speech is be able to say yeah. these things. Like, yeah. If you well, can't say, then we're, we're, we don't have the freedom of speech. Yeah. Like you're taking it away. If I can't say anything, because not everyone's ever going to agree with me a hundred percent. Sure. 
you know? But there was a sort of era of comedy that we're, we're in right now. Like, I enjoyed the Hannah Gadsby special. I really liked it. Oh, I did too. But that's very in the woke scold category of approved comedy. Like, talking about these hard subjects, and I'm a lesbian, and you got to listen to me, and, and nobody else can talk about lesbianism unless you're a lesbian. You know, very, it's very much touchy like they're they're making subjects off limits unless you represent that subject you have to have some really hard credibility in order to broach these subjects which is interesting to me but i think it's wrong i think anybody should be able to broach their opinion on it and especially in comedy like we need to be able to talk about what's weird what's scary what's you know unusual yeah. about it and i think that we're starting to see in a, in a large way uh comedians especially these powerful ones like dave Chappelle. i don't care if you don't like him he is the master of the craft currently yeah. like he is right now the top of the game comedian of everyone out there the way he crafts his jokes the way he sets up his specials the way he moves through them the way he does his callback he's the master right now you may not like what he talks about but he's the master of the craft I agree. That's, you know, if we're just talking about form and function in, in comedy, that's it. Well, he's always been brilliant. Like, he, he was before totally, his time. Totally, totally. Like, he's but always had a comedic brain. But if you look at the group that he was sort of coming up with around there, he's broken through it and he's become the, the top dog. It, it really is in terms but of But a lot of it's because he's not scared to talk about these things. No, he's not because he's the top dog and he doesn't care. Like, he walked away from his show. Because he was like, I don't agree with this. I don't care. I'm going to go back home. Bye. And everybody tried to paint him as crazy or a drug addict or something. And he's been very open and honest. He's like, no, I didn't like where they wanted my show to go. I didn't like what they wanted me to do. So I said goodbye and I walked away from it. And they tried to paint me like I was insane, but I wasn't insane. I just have self-respect. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah. But I think you're seeing now a lot of these comedians, comedians who have the capability and the success behind them, to turn against sort of the woke scolds. Whitney Cummings, I just watched her new special. And you've seen her do most of the special at Flappers. <laughs> I probably have. You've seen a lot of it if you've seen her there. But she goes up against the Me Too movement. And she really says a lot of things that might make some women angry about how she talks about it. And how she talks about our responsibility as women in it. And... I think there's people that get offended with what she has to say because it's not like, yeah, men suck. It's like, yeah, men do suck. They, they are out there. Yeah. These horrible ones They have their role, you know, but also we kind of played along. Like she do, does yeah. a joke about like how one of her first jobs, a guy would come and like run his hand between her butt cheeks and be like, here's a credit card. I'm swiping my credit card. And she's like, I thought it was hilarious. And I'd be like, decline, decline, swipe it again, swipe it again. You know, she's like, I played along because I thought it was funny. And we have to know where is it funny for us versus, you know, everything else. And and it's, I think it's really interesting what she's doing because she's breaking down the Me Too movement of like, there are things that are totally unacceptable, but there are also things where, you know, we kind of play along and we have to be okay with it if we're going to play along. And my issue with that is how are they, how are males supposed to know? Yeah. Like where the line is. Yeah. Like how are we, how is society supposed to know what's appropriate and what's not appropriate? Yeah. If it's certain, it's, it's Yeah. And she addresses hard. that. And then um, Colin Quinn has a new show, a new special called Red State, Blue State. I've been on the comedy kick <laughs> lately. Can you tell? I've been on the packing kick. <laughs> yeah, I know. 
it hasn't been easy for you. But I love Colin Quinn, but he's got a very esoteric sort of special. What about does esoteric mean? Just very like highbrow intellectual. You have to really, it's philosophical. It's not, it's, it's not just a comedy. That yeah. word that I didn't know what it meant. It's, it makes it's, sense now. It's just not like Dave Chappelle where it's very out there. It's, yeah. it's very much you have to understand American history and sort of what's going on in America today and how they reference each other. But it's, it's like a town hall meeting the way it's set up. Like he's got people sitting up on the stage with him. Okay. And then he, he talks and then he like runs through each of the, st- I mean, it's brilliant. It's more like a Ted talk though. That one, everybody called Hannah Gatsby sh- app, um, thing a Ted talk, but I'm like, no, Colin Quinn's kind of was because I was enthralled. I watched the whole thing. I found it entertaining, but I didn't laugh a lot. But I was like, these are also things that need to be said. He's talking about how divided as a country we are. We really are. And how we've turned against each other. And we really shouldn't because we're all kind of ridiculous. And I it's kind of want to watch it now. You know, it was great. It's a great special. Don't expect to laugh like like Dave Chappelle's where you're laughing like every 30 seconds, it seems. Even at Chappelle's, I don't feel like I laughed as much. This yeah. whole like laugh count thing is kind of Sure, it's it's whack. You don't have to whack. follow it, but I really like I really liked Colin Quinn special. Now I started watching Bill Burr, who is known for being sort of against the mainstream and like and poking fun at the woke scolds. Yeah, and he said a lot of stuff. It's interesting. He said a lot of stuff that Whitney Cummings did in her special, like very similar, like same premise, you know, but uh-huh. different punchlines. And that's kind of always fun for me to see because. You know, there's always that criticism of stealing jokes, but I think it's a great example of how two people can have the same premise and a different punchline. Well, they have a different point of view completely. Yeah. So it's like even though the premise is the same, yeah. Like, and who's saying it changes yeah. everything. Yeah, yeah, too. yeah. Like, it's just really exciting to watch that when you watch. And you're I like, oh, it's it's great. I to like see Bill Burr a lot. I do, but I will tell you, it's a tedious. I didn't make it all the way through. I made it about 45 minutes. I think it's 90 minutes. I don't know how long it is. I made it halfway. I know on the Netflix, I made it halfway, and for me. I just, I'm not, and this goes back to, again, you know, being subjective. I'm not into Bill Burr style. Same way as Louis Black. I don't like the yelly comedians that are just like. I I like Louis. If if I've had the same person in my head. And I also think I like Burr in smaller doses. Yeah. I realize there are certain people like Mahaney. I know everyone loves him. John Mulaney. Mulaney. Yeah. Everyone loves him. I love Mulaney. I can only watch him for like five minutes and then I'm done. Yeah. His structure is amazing and his. Like, it's great. Yeah. But he gets so rep- – his cadence is so the same mm-hmm. that I'm like, I can't handle it. Uh, Bill Burr is definitely a snippet for me. Like, I love watching yeah. clips of him, and I'm like, oh, that's great. But watching a full show I was like – he's like that for a me lot. too. Um, Mulaney, I will say, is the last comedian – I mean, I laugh a lot during these, but I was driving home – this is so many years ago. It's like 2013 I listened to this, and I happened to be listening to one of his specials on iTunes – and I was driving Bobby home from Northern California. He was coming back from his stint at Apple. And I heard this bit he did about going to the doctor to get like Xanax. But he had to tell them he had a problem. So then they did a prostate exam. <laughs> and it's him describing the prostate exam. And I had to pull the car over because I was laughing so hard. I was crying and I couldn't see anymore. That's always a great feeling. And I was just like, I died. I was dying. Like I couldn't. And Bobby was laughing at me. He'd already heard the bit. Yeah. But there's just tears streaming down my face because I can't control it. It was so funny. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know. Even that just makes me laugh. Like when I hear that inflection, I just laugh at the memory. Um, so he's fantastic. 
but you know, again, there's there's comedians that I like in bits. I think they have good sound bites. But yeah, Bill Burr for me is a, a bits kind of guy. I realize I use my ADD. If you get a cadence too yeah. quickly, then I'm just like I'm I yeah I'm done. Like which is the reason why I don't like running because everyone's like, <laughs> oh, you can run anywhere. I'm like, but the running is the, the yeah, the, and I don't like that. Like that's yeah. what gets boring to me is the repetitive. Yeah, thing. so I have to. So a lot of comedians I can't yeah. handle all the way through. To tell you the truth, even I, even Chappelle's show, like mm-hmm. the like 15 minutes end, I'm like, okay, I'm kind of done. <laughs> really, but I wanted to. Not because the content, I think it's because my yeah, your brain brain's is over like, it. Like it's like I need ADD brain yeah. kind of thing. And there's it's so funny because there are comedians that you you really hope for the best. Like Joe Coy had a new special a few months ago come out, and I loved. I've I've, I've watched his other special on Netflix probably seven or eight times, but only the section where he talks about his mom <laughs> and his son. I like seen him. I don't watch about the stuff about sex. I'm like I don't care. Like it's too much. And this one was so interesting because it was live from Honolulu and he does a whole big thing like a long bit in the beginning about Hawaiians that if you spent any number of time in Hawaii and you understand their culture and even their culture today I mean it was dead on and it was hilarious but by the time he got into the set you were like it felt like he just did 25 minutes of crowd work which is good or bad it wasn't well, when I watch Joe Coy, I want to see very specific things that Joe Coy talks about, which he does oh. do towards the very end of it. But it's so rushed. It's like I kind of wanted a little bit less crowd work and a little more of this other stuff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as I said, it was still a good special. I laughed. Who haven't I laughed at? The only person I haven't laughed at recently was when we saw him live, Chris Kattan. That was oh, awful. But I don't, that's the other thing. It's like there's so many people yeah. who end up wanting to become stand-ups. Yeah. It's a, it's a different art form that people think they can yeah. do and then their name brings them in yeah and they're like mm, you haven't really worked on this as much and there's yeah. people like whitney cummings who like are stand-ups yeah like jim gaffigan yeah he was taught i was listening to one of his podcasts that he was, was interviewed on and he was saying that it was random because people thought he was a sitcom person oh but before. he's like but he's like, I've always done stand-up. Like, I started yeah. in stand-up and then the sitcoms came or yeah. whatever. And he was like, so it was weird seeing it in print. Like, the sitcom tried to do stand-up. And there was like, it was really the opposite <laughs> way around. The stand-up tried to do sitcom yeah. kind of thing. Uh, at my last show at Flappers, uh, Whitney Cummings dropped in. All new stuff that she's doing, which is fantastic. But she ended up doing a lot of crowd work. It was so weird. There were these moms. I, okay, I think this is like a boy band or something that came into town. But the moms were all plastered and they brought their 15 and 16-year-old sons with them to drive them home. <gasps> and then somebody made a discussion about like, oh, I guess we'll see you on like IMDb. Like soon, really soon, you're going to see them. They're going to make a break. So I think they were like boy band or something. But like she ripped into those kids and it was hilarious. Like it was the funniest thing. And so she ended up moving away from like her whole thing that she wanted to work on to like do this crowd work with these two with these these five teenage boys that was hilarious and then all of a sudden damon wayne showed up i saw that was he good um uh, i mean they were interesting stories he told okay but they were not constructed yet in any form of comedy does that make sense (laughs) Was it, do you think he was like really, really starting something? I think he's really, really starting something. Like this like was. Because that's just so weird too. You get yeah. to this level and your open mic is a, like a room at Flowers. Yeah. You know, my open mic is like eight people 
yeah. at the bar who aren't paying at attention an open to you. Mike at Flappers, yeah. you know. But theirs become different because they have yeah. a name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? So like he could literally be ranting about stuff which wouldn't yeah. come up. And I mean there was some funny stuff about his family. I think that's where he's kinda moving into. He wants to do some more authentic stuff about his past growing up, like being one of ten kids and everything. So there was some pretty funny stuff that you could see coming from it, but it was long, it was lengthy stories, raw. you know? And like, oh, wait, wait, let me go back and explain this to you kind of stuff. It was um, definitely raw then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very raw. And he went on for like 30 minutes. Oi. <laughs> and I, like I, one comedian who was sitting, I had two comedians sitting, you know, by me, one on my right, one on my left. And the one on the right leans over and goes, hey, so you think Dame Waynes is doing his uh, his new hour tonight? <laughs> And I laughed. And then all of a sudden, the one on the left leaned over like, hey, do you think David Wayans is doing his hour tonight? <laughs> I was like, yeah. It felt, it was very long. Um, it was a weird show because that definitely, while people were excited to see Damon Wayans, and I don't think they would say they walked away and hated it. They'd be like, oh my gosh, Damon Wayans showed up. I don't think they loved what he did. It was more like a name drop more than like, oh yeah. my gosh, he's a comedian that's amazing right now. Da, yeah. Da, da. Like how crazy is that that we saw David Wayans live? His only bit that was great where it looked more constructed was he was talking about how his daughter was divorcing his son-in-law and how much he loved his son-in-law more. Like his, he was like the head of a gang and he asked his daughter, like, why are you dating this guy? She's like, well, he reminds me of you. So then he takes his son-in-law under his wing and like, Gets him into the business, gets him his, you know, union card, has him working, doing all this stuff. You know, he becomes a personal trainer and he's like cultivated him for eight years. Like, I love this boy. Like, he's my son. And then she wants to divorce him. It's like, do you know what kind <laughs> of energy I put in this kid? And that whole segment, which he ended with, was the funniest part. So that I think he's been working on and he's been constructing um, because it was much more solid. It's not quite there yet, but it was very solid. I mean, they, I mean, even strong comedians have to go through a process of yeah. all of it. Yeah. Like, it's not just, uh, I'm going to get up on stage and ramble and call it no, a day. It's, it's I, I remember I, we had a comedian in class who was telling, like, Ken and even Dave, like, well, why can't I just be like this person and, and just talk? Like, he just talks and he just has a couple ideas and he talks. He goes, yeah, because for like 20 years he wrote it down. That's Bill Burr. Bill yeah. Burr used to write everything down. Yeah. Now he doesn't write anything down. And when he writes it down, it messes him up. Yeah. That's because his process has evolved to yeah. that point. But you've done 20 years of doing the work. Completely. When you've done 20 years, you don't have to write it down. You right. know? But then they talk about Christopher Titus, who writes word for word what he's going to say every single time. But it's funny, though, is if you see Bill Burr's stuff, mm -hmm. it's still word for word. It's not like they don't. Yeah. It's like. There's still thought process to yeah. every single thing. It's not like he just know? gets up and he's like, I'm going to ramble about this. No. And when by the time you see it on the special, I mm -hmm. mean, they have worked on this for a year. Yeah. Like, Jerry Seinfeld talked about that, about how like comedy is somewhat being killed with all these specials coming out and people yeah. being forced to do one a year. He goes, yeah. it takes a solid year to get a year's worth yeah. of material for an hour special. And it's like people don't get that. And so they yeah. want them to come out. Like these executives are like, well, can you do another one in six months? Like, no. No, well, I can't. And you I, want it to be good? If yeah. you want it to be good comedy, then no. I need the work to work it out. I think that the other problem with it is that is that you're getting a lot of less originality from those comedians. Because I think what we're seeing, I mean, if you look, they often have writers now. Oh, completely. Who they are have writing. to. They have because they're, they're producing so much so rapidly. And I think that's kind of a problem. Like, I would rather wait. Like, we waited a long time for Chappelle's three specials to come out that he did, one right after the other on Netflix, the first three that came out. 
We waited a long time to hear what he had to say. And we had heard for years how he was popping up in the New York scene, you know, showing up at a club, doing this little bit of time here, doing this here, doing that there, till we got those specials, and they were worth it. Now, I think like Jim Gaffigan does a special almost one a year. And I think that's amazing that he can throw all of his stuff out and do new stuff. But I just, I mean, for me. He like, talks about that too, though. He says that towards the end of his, when it's wrapping up, he's yeah. already on the next. Like, so yeah. he's like simultaneously. He also, and he also has his wife writing with him. Yeah. So that's like a kind of a, a plus too. He's got that writing help. I don't know. I'd rather wait a long time for a really amazing special. Like, oh, I can't completely. wait for the next Zach Galifianakis one. Like, his first special was so – live at the Purple Onion or something was so freaking weird and amazing. I, I can't wait. And I heard he's been doing some stuff. Like, he's popping up at all these open mics in yeah, Pasadena. I'd rather have quality stuff than, yeah. than just you popping it out over and over. Again. And that's also kind of the problem with all of these uh, specials on Amazon and Hulu and, and Netflix trying to compete – you're getting comedians to come up and do 20 minutes who maybe aren't ready. Like if, if Netflix came up and was like, oh, we want you to be, to do one of our specials. I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready. I don't think I'm ready. Come back and talk to me in three years. You know, I would be like, how many months do I have? Yeah. That's what I would say. It's like, if I can go, if, if Netflix came up to me and said, hey, we want you to do a 20 minute on their stand up special. Yeah. I'd be like, okay, but when do you need this 20 minutes? Because if it is in three months, yeah. six months, I was like, okay, I can get it down. Yeah. Like, but if it was like next week, I'd be like, mm, you're just going to cut me. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's the point? Yeah. I mean, I, I was at a show. I did. I did a show, not at Flappers, but the booker for America's Got Talent was there. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm obsessed. Send me your videos. I'm going to pass your stuff around for people to see. Da, 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 da. And that was neat. But it's also like, do I have enough time for America's Got Talent? I because do. I don't think I do. And it's I just like three minute, five minute bits. It is, but I'm very honest with myself in that I know when I'm ready and when I'm not ready. And I know I'm not ready yet to make it big. I know I'm not. And that's okay. It's okay to know that, you know, you want to keep working. And who knows? I think I'm going to get there faster, especially if I end up getting my own theater, because then I'm going to be doing, you know, all of my own hosting and bits like every constantly. week, constantly. You know, I'm going to have at least three shows a week that I'm working it. Yeah. So if that's happening, that's going to escalate things a lot faster. If I'm running an open mic additionally, that's four times a week I'm going to be in front of a mic. No, that makes complete sense. So It's not even my goal. <laughs> but, I mean, my goal is to, when I finally release a comedy special, for people to go, oh, that was worth it. Oh, no, you'd want it to be worth it. That was it. good. I'm happy that Chappelle did what he did yeah. and that Nanette's doing what she did. And we didn't talk about Neil Brennan and his three mics and – well, we talked about a long time ago. <laughs> but he did what he did. Like, yeah. I feel like I love where comedy is going with authenticity. Sure. And whatnot. Like, it's it makes it worthwhile for me. Because mm-hmm. I get to talk about the hard things that I need therapy on, you know? <laughs> like, my new set that I did for the Burbank Comedy Festival was hard. And it landed hard. Like yeah. It didn't always land because I had to have the right audience to land. Yeah. And I'm hoping that changes. I'm hoping the world understands that I'm, I can say these things and not be offensive and not do all this stuff and like I won't get woke scold or whatever. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's a really tough thing to do. But you know, um I am going back to Flappers to take a class again. Are you doing Dave's? No, I'm doing Ken's. Dave uh, started one. Yeah. And Kenneth always like, did you want to do mine or Dave's? I'm like, I want to do yours, Ken. Because I feel like I get the authenticity part. Like I'm I'm better now at being on stage and feeling real and really what I'm talking about. 
I want to go back to Ken because I think Ken is excellent at structure. He is really good at structure. And I have something that I want to be really authentic about, and I need my structure to be tight to talk about it. It's about my mom. Oh, awesome. But I need it to be tight. And that's the one area that I think Dave sort of lacks is the structure aspect. Because he expects you to know the structure before you come to him. Yeah, he does. He's, I mean, yeah. he does. Because now he's people. like, yeah, now he's like, we're going to go and do authenticity and make it more real and more vulnerable. But I'm like, this is so, I want this to be so good and so perfect that I want to go back to structure and really work hard on the structure part. I don't worry about the authenticity anymore. I worry about getting it just right and making it tight and making it, you know, spending the least amount of time on unnecessary information to get where I need to go. No, that makes complete sense. I don't know where I'm going with comedy. I'm actually mm-hmm. probably pulling back more mm. and may not be doing stand-up much longer, to tell you the truth. Well, take your six-month break, and then you're going to come back because you're going to miss it. and you're going to No, because like, I think there's going to be other creative aspects mm-hmm. to it and other ways for me to get that therapeutic side to it mm-hmm. that I don't think I – I don't know if I will or not. I'm not going to say no to it, but yeah. at the same time, I don't have the time to be put to it, and it's I don't have these goals. And yeah. so in my head, I'm going, then what am I doing it for? Yeah. Like, And it's not bringing me as much joy – as other things in life are bringing me. True, I get so it. So I kind of am going, hmm, maybe I need to, like I was wanted to take Dave's class and then yeah. I talked to Chris and Chris immediately was like, no, we, yeah. we can't handle it right now. Yeah. Because it starts the day after we move. Oh, yeah, yeah, So I was like, but we've had moved. Yeah. Yeah, we'd be in our new place for three days. Yeah. Like I'm definitely <laughs> anticipating us sleeping with our kids every single night. Yeah. For the first week and a half. So it's like, it's coming at a bad yeah. time. And so he was like, no, you can't. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay. And I was bummed, but I was more bummed because I wasn't able to do something for me than yeah. I was about taking Dave's class. No, I, I totally don't get it. know where I'm going with that. Like, I yeah. really don't know. Like, I don't have a desire to have a special. Yeah. Like, I don't have a desire to get on late night. I don't have a desire to be away from my family, even locally, four or five nights a week. Yeah. Like, it, I don't have, I don't, so what am I doing it for? Like, mm. what? For yourself. For your therapy. But I don't even have time to work on it. And then yeah. all I'm, so make, instead, it makes me feel crappier mm-hmm. than better. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, it's weird because right now I have people wanting to see me. Mm-hmm. So it's weird to be like, I may quit when I actually have people who <laughs> come to my shows on a regular basis. Yeah. Like Alex asked me yesterday, when's your next show? I haven't, uh, you haven't told me when your next show is. Like, don't you have one every other week? Where's the, where's the next one? And I'm like, oh, <laughs> I have people who want to see me. Yeah. And people who keep adding a list of like, I haven't seen you, I haven't seen you, I haven't seen you. Then I'm like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. No, I gotcha. But I'm glad Chappelle's doing what he's doing. Yeah. And other people are doing that too. We need to be a little less sensitive people. I think so. Or at least we need to be able to laugh at ourselves. Yeah. Let's laugh at ourselves. The Mother Effin' Podcast is hosted and produced by Patty Crouch and Heather Dragulescu. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to visit us online at mothereffinpodcast.com.